And let's go ahead and read about 1 down to, let's say, 13. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was... You think they were twins? Have you, okay, I'll keep going. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now I want you to think about that. Anytime you see a but in the Bible... You need to pay attention, okay? Because that is a crucial word, okay? Um, it is a crucial word. And it says, let me read this again, And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. And here's the second but. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Okay, so that's there's a lot in that story. And I think we try to simplify things. I try to make things simple, because uh, that's just who I am. I'm kind of short, simple, and sweet. That's just the way it goes. Okay, uh, so back... To do the Jude four, the word woe here. I'm sorry, the word woe back in Jude eleven. It said woe unto them, right? What what does the word woe mean? So in your handout, it says woe is used to imply extreme. Could be grief. I would put sorrow. But on the test, grief will work. I'll I'll let that pass too. Uh, Extreme grief or sorrow is the word woe. So turn over to First uh, Corinthians. Hold your finger in Genesis. We'll be back there. Turn over to First Corinthians nine and verse sixteen. Because I know you guys are from Missouri, and you won't just take my word on it. You got to see it. Okay. First Corinthians nine sixteen says this. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, Paul is basically saying, if I don't preach the gospel, it is not going to be good for me. Okay, It's going to be extreme sorrow if I just keep my mouth shut and do not preach the gospel, because that's what God had appointed Paul to, was to preach the gospel, and we are so, so, I'm so glad for that, because he preached it to who? The Gentiles. He was the pre, the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay? So he goes, it's gonna be a sad day if I, if I do not preach the word of God. It's gonna be sorrow in my heart. So if that doesn't get you, turn over to Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. If that didn't convince you, Revelation 8.13. How many of you have read through the book of Revelation? 
Okay, everybody. Okay, you're all with me. 8.13 says this. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Now, if you've a, you're a study of Revelation, you know these three woes are not good. They are like bad news to the people that's taking place. So when the Bible says woe, we need to pay attention. It's kind of like it's kind of like Jesus when he said verily verily. It's like pay attention. Pay attention. So the word woe is used to imply extreme sorrow. And we see that in the book of Jude. And in the book of Jude it says, For they have gone, have gone, in the way of Cain. That have gone implies that they have followed in his footsteps. Okay, I get that. And that they will not be coming back. Now that's the part we need to pay attention to. These guys that go off the deep end, they will not be coming. When they reject God, they will not be coming back. Now, I know, I know for us in this church age that we live in, as long as you're breathing, you have a chance to accept the gospel. And yet, God talks about men having a depraved mind. And so the question comes out, can a person with a depraved mind accept Christ as their Savior? It would take a miracle. Now, with God, all things are possible. With men, they're not. But, but the chances are, when you go this direction, you're not coming back. High probability. They have gone. Okay? Oh, I had a note here. The word woe is kind of extreme sorrow. It kind of reminds me of when you see the weathermen from the Weather Channel come to your town. You better watch out. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a woe coming. As my mother-in-law said, I can't remember. Anybody watch the Weather Channel much in here? There was one guy that every time there was a major problem going on, like a hurricane, earthquake, it didn't matter. They sent this guy. My mother-in-law goes, when that guy shows up at your town, she goes, you better hold on to your rear because... What's that? There's a meme on Facebook with him. Uh, we started putting it out when, uh, before the hurricane showed up in Florida. Okay. Uh-oh, he's in town, look out. So that's a real thing, that's okay. Real so what's that guy's name? I forget now. I can't Is it Mike Sidell? Michael something. That's what, there's two guys with the name Mike for the Weather Channel. Mike Bettis and a Mike Sidell. And I'm like, it's one of the, I don't watch the Weather Channel that much. Because, you know, weathermen are all liars. Okay, so it's Mike Sedell. Like okay. Blowing him off the face of the earth, and he's still. Fighting. And he's there. I know. My mother-in-law says when he shows up, when he shows up in your town, you better be digging a hole because it's going to be bad. Okay. Woe unto them. Okay. And so, woe unto them. They have gone means they're not coming back, and they have went the way of Cain. And your handout has a blank. Cain went out from. The presence of God. What is the way of Cain? He went out from the presence of God. Now, there's some other things I'll, I'll accept on there also. He, uh, he, uh. Which handout? Last week? No, this week. Page one under the way of Cain, number three. You find it? They give you the right handout? Okay, so the first blank was sorrow. The second blank is presence. The way of Cain was that he went out from the presence of God. Cain rejected God and was sent away by judgment by his own actions. Okay, so we've already read the story of Cain and Abel. And you have a chart there. Uh, of Cain and Abel and the difference between the two. So let's just kind of go through this chart. So first of all, let me ask the, the question. How many of you know the story of Cain and Abel? 
Okay, everybody knows it, like I said. How good do you know it's what we're going to look at. Uh, in this chart here, we have Cain is the first son. Now, did you know that? He was the first one born. We just read that. And then we got Abel as the second son. And yet, that's a type because in our Bible, when we see that, we see that the first birth is not a good birth. It's, it's the second birth that's the, the good birth. Okay, We see that uh, with Adam and Jesus. We see that in other uh, people like uh, Esau and Jacob. Uh, and we see that kind of as a pattern. So we're seeing some patterns develop here. Cain was also, it says he's a tiller of the ground. He's a worker. Oh, so pay attention. He's a worker. Now I'm sure, I'm sure Abel was a worker, but he's a keeper. He's a feeder of the sheep. Okay? He's a shepherd. Cain brought an offering, but so did Abel. So what do you learn from that? You learn that, number one, they are religious men. They're bringing an offering to God. There are a lot of people that have brought offerings to God, but it just wasn't the right offering. And that's what we're seeing here. Uh, the offering that Cain brought, the next one on our line here, is that he uh, was from the ground. Abel brought from the flock. There's just one problem with the ground. Anybody know? Okay. Uh, you're in Genesis 4. Just flip the page back to chapter 3 and let's look at 7. Let's see if I got the right one. No, that doesn't look right. Is that the right one? No, that's not what I want. Um, 17 maybe. 17, I'm sorry. Didn't have my notes down. Uh, 3.17 says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. The problem was with the offering that Cain brought, it was from the ground. It was cursed. Okay? And of course we know that Abel brought from the flock. Not only was it from the ground, it was the fruit of the ground with Cain. And it was the firstlings of the flock. Now, the firstling of the flock means it was a lamb. And if we go back to Leviticus, it was probably the first uh, offspring of the lamb, or of the sheep that had the lamb. And so... Uh, the book of Leviticus is very good as far as laying all that out for us and showing us that the way to God is through sacrifice. So the way that Abel brought his offering was from not just a flock, it was the firstlings of the flock. It was exactly what God had said to bring. But the fruit of the ground was an offering, uh, was, I don't know if it was the first fruits or I don't know what it was. Uh, God always wants the first. And if you go back and look at the, the, the feast, the feast of first fruits and all that, God always wants the first of anything produced. And He wants the best. And yet, we don't know if, if this fruit that He brought, even though it was a wrong offering, we don't know if it was the first of His, of, of the, of the crop, the middle of the crop, or the end of the crop. We don't know that. But the Lord had no respect for Cain's offering and the Lord had respect for Abel's. So that tells us something. And as a result, Cain gets mad. And not only that, his countenance fell and so he, he showed it. Now how many of you, you know, have, have gotten mad somewhere and, and you just kinda hit it and you didn't let it out? At times, that's very good to do, isn't it? It's not always good to fly off the handle when you get mad. And, and usually your actions are not real good when you do that. Vocabulary. Your vocabulary is not very good when you do that. And I'm sitting there thinking of illustrations of people, and I'm thinking, I'll give you an illustration of me, because usually I've used good illustrations for people, and it's come back and bit me. Haven't I, Carrie? Yeah, she knows. Anyway, 
So if I use me, you know, I'm not going to get upset with myself. So anyway, I remember one time I'm working it and I'm cutting a piece of tile and I'd been working on it about 10 minutes. It kind of went in a corner uh, and it went around two door jams and I'd been working on it and I just needed one little piece to make it just fit like a glove. And I'm sitting there and I got my little nippers out and I'm nipping them away and I just nip just a little bit off this one little piece and it goes crack and breaks. And and I was not happy. <laughs> Because I told, I mean, I really, I spent 10 minutes getting this thing just all done. So you know what I did? I took that piece of tile and I took my nippers and I went, pow, just like that. The problem was my knuckles was between the tile and the, and the nippers. And so I actually did one of those cartoons where, you know, the guy's hand is going like this, you know, and, and it's just going, and, and I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to pass out for a minute. I told the guy working with me, I said, I may have to go home because I did this stupid thing. And uh, I sat and finally it, 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 it stopped and I went ahead and went back to work. I used to be a lot tougher then than I am now. My point I'm trying to say, when you get mad, it's just kind of better if you just you know let it go and not let it show or not let your face turn bright red. And start screaming and yelling and all this, waving your arms and doing all this stuff. Can you imagine what Cain did? It said, it said he got mad and his countenance fell. I don't think he was being quiet at the time. I think he probably unloaded. Okay. <laughs> okay. He did. So the Lord had no respect for his, not, not him, it was the offering. It was the offering was the problem, okay? He did not obey the Lord. He had an attitude problem. That was Cain. And then when we go to Abel on his side, he obeyed and he, and he respected the Lord. He brought the right offering, okay? So, uh, Cain was judged by the Lord because of his actions. And he was cursed because of his actions. And because of his actions, he received a mark. And he, and because of his actions, he went out from the presence of the Lord. It was all Cain. Because we go through the story, you're going to pick up the, the attitude that Cain thinks that God was unfair with him. And my goodness, we look at this and we're like, how in the world could he think that? But what we see here is really... And, and I use the term religion kind of loosely here because I don't like the term religion. But Christianity, I will call a religion, okay? But it's really a faith. But we see two religions here take place. One is a religion that they came, that you come to God by works. The other one is a religion of faith through a blood sacrifice. Right here is where it starts. Okay, so with Cain's sacrifice, it was bloodless, it was of his own works, and it was of the fruit of the ground. Three things, three time, three three mistakes, and he's out. Okay, um, Hebrews nine twenty two says that without blood, there is no remission of sins. Okay, there's no, it's it's not going to count. So let's turn over to page two. Let's see where we are. So again, we're on Jude. Lesson 5, Cain, a closer look. So God had given instructions on how to worship Him. And you're like, now wait a minute, I didn't see that in the story. Right? Or did we? Number one, there was a, there's a blank. You have a blank. And place goes in that blank. There was a place to sacrifice. And you go, how do you know that? Verse 3 says, And it, in a process of time it came to pass that Cain brought a fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. There was a place appointed for a sacrifice. Now it doesn't come out and just flat out say it in the passage, but the implication is that they knew where to go. They just didn't... Ha- haphazardly do a do a offering unto the Lord, they knew where to go. There was a place to sacrifice. 
Number two, there was an appointed time to sacrifice. Verse 3 says, And in the process of time it came to pass. Now, I don't normally use my center... Well, I do use my center references, but... but um, in my Bible, in the process of time, over in the center of reference, it says, at the end of days. And we could go a little farther and go, at the end of the week. I don't know how we would you know, fit that in. But in the process of time, it came to pass. There was a time appointed for a sacrifice or an offering. Okay, And then there was a means or a way to sacrifice. How was it that Abel knew what kind of sacrifice that God wanted? Because he had been told. His parents had told him. Adam and Eve are still alive. Okay? So there was a means or a way to sacrifice and that also means there had to be an altar. Because it says here in verse 4, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. He killed the lamb and separated the parts out like you see in the book of Leviticus. There was a altar at some place. So there's a place, there's a time, and there's an altar. And get this, the Lord was there. Interesting. Okay, So Abel followed the way and Cain rejected it. He, your next blank, disregarded God's instructions. I used to think that Cain was just a little slow and he just brought something he thought was good. I'm coming to the point now to realize no, Cain knew exactly what to bring, but he rejected it and was going to do it his way. He's one of those Frank Sinatra guys, right? He did it my way. That's what Frank Sinatra said, right? So he disregarded God's instructions. And if you want to get extra credit on your test, you can put this. He also rejected God's instruction. He bucked God's instruction. And here's what I really like. He rebelled against God's instruction. That's what I want to point out. He's a rebellious dude. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips, according to people in this church. You know, Brian used to use that all the time. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips. I, I thought I've been all that in a bag of chips, but I'm just, I realize I'm, I've lost some chips along the way. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> you're not a whole bag anymore. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, here's what I want you to realize. Cain, was rebelling when he brought the sacrifice that he had to God. He wanted to be religious. And oh my, think about that today in today's terms. There's a lot of people that are religious, but they're coming to God according to their way instead of God's way. It all started in this story. So he, he was rebellious. Cain was a, next line on your handout, he was a self-righteous, prideful, and rebellious man. He thought he could come to God on his own terms. And you know, there's a lot of people today that think that same thing. I'm good enough. My good works are going to outweigh my bad works. And so when I meet God, it's going to be okay. Or there's many paths to God. Yeah, I mean, uh, you just do whatever work it is and you can get to Him. But it still boils down to a work. Okay? It's something that you do. And you know, we, we just went through the Baptist Heritage little series that I had, and from the very beginning with the two churches, you had you had a biblical church and you had an unbiblical church, and they just they wanted to come to God their way instead of what the Bible says. It was by works. You gotta get baptized, you gotta follow the law, you got and it just goes on and on and on. It's all works based. Okay? And we know in Proverbs 6.17, in fact, I've got a little bit of time. Here I thought I was going to just have so much I wouldn't get through this lesson and I'm just flying through it. Turn over to Proverbs and let's see if I got it right. Chapter 6. And again, I'm talking to the choir. You guys know all this.
Proverbs 6.16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. And the first one is what? A proud look. Guess what the second one is? A lying tongue. Guess what the third one is? And hands that shed innocent blood. Oh my gosh. You could have written a Cain story right there. A proud, but it started with a proud look. He's a prideful man. I hadn't seen that till I'm just looking at it today. I, I, I had the proud, the, the proud look, but I didn't catch the lying in the hands that shed innocent blood. But that's the exact path that Cain took. And what's it say God does? He hates that. Okay. The Bible, and I've already mentioned the, the buts in this, the Bible always puts Cain in a negative manner. You know, pride is a bad thing. That's the number one thing. I, I used to go down to, and I've mentioned this before, I used to go down to City Union Mission and, and, and preach. And, and here's how it worked. Brian was, Brian Hedges was in charge of uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple at that time had a ministry at the City Union Mission and he was in charge of the group of men there that would go down and preach there and I don't know how many times a month. He preached quite a bit. Uh, and so they had called the church that we had went to, which we came out of Kansas City Baptist Temple and said, do you have any guys that would like to come down and take a slot? And so Pat Lee, myself, two or three other guys took a spot. So, so... I would see. I didn't know Brian real well, but I'd see him every once in a while there. And but we didn't really mesh. But yet we had a spot. They had more spots than we did. But anyway, I was down there at the same time, and and we would go down there. And I first learned to preach when we were there, or attempt to preach when we were there. And I remember men coming in off the street. You'd get them the gospel, and you're trying to get them to understand the gospel. You would explain it, and they would understand it. And I'd have men that go, well, um, I need to clean myself up first before I accept Christ. I can't, I can't come to Him in this condition. And I'm like, no, the Bible says you can't clean yourself up. You've got to come to Him just the way you are. And I'd have men, do you understand what the gospel says? Do you understand the consequences if you don't accept Christ as your Savior? And these guys living on the street, you would think, they have given up everything, but there's one thing they had, they hadn't given up. Their pride. Pride would get them. That's when I go into the jail, the Cass County jail and teach the women, they, they were, it's like you're, to me that's bottom. Yeah. That would have been bottom. But, I mean, they, their attitude was just prideful. Yeah. And sometimes it's not only private guilt as well. I had a cousin that served in Vietnam, and my brother-in-law is a deacon, and he was trying to lead him to the Lord. And he said, but you don't understand. He said, I killed babies over there. And Richard said, you don't understand. God can forgive that. Yeah. My God's grace is but bigger said, than your sin. He had such guilt that he had done that. He didn't yeah. believe that God could ever forgive him for something yeah. like that. And that is hard to get so, past with our military. So guilt, yeah. uh, pride... But at this point with, with Cain, it was his pride. Cause he, again, he thought he was a somebody and he might have been a good moral guy. He might have had, you know, the attitude that, you know, we need to follow the Lord, we need to do this, we need to do that, but he just rejected what God told him. Yeah. So, so he was a self-righteous, prideful and rebellious man. The problem, he thought he could come to God on his own terms. The problem was his belief was flawed. Because a sinful man, your handout says, a sinful man cannot, it's underlined, I had it underlined, cannot fix his sin problem by himself. Any product of a curse cannot solve the problem themselves. Okay? It's like Sleeping Beauty, right? Sleeping Beauty is cursed. Oh, it's cursed in the story, right? And she's lying on the on the bed or whatever. And what's it take to break the curse? She can't fix it. She has to get somebody else to fix it, right? Wow, I need to preach on that story. That's a biblical story. Everything's biblical. If you go back and look at it, it's just, it, it just fits. 
a sinful being cannot fix their sinful problem. You've got to have someone else. And that's what the gospel is about. Okay, Cain came to God his way by his works and get this, with no acknowledgement of, you got a blank, sin in his life. He thought his good works would get him right. Or guilt. There's your guilt. He had no, he did not acknowledge any sin in his life or any guilt. And you know, I've heard that there are a lot of people in this world that really believe that they do not do wrong or sin. And, and it's especially the Oriental people. And I've got friends that are from, uh, i got a friend of mine who's uh, uh, from Malaysia, and he, he told me, yes, he goes, there's a lot of Asian people, and they have the con- they don't have the concept that they do wrong. In fact, when you ask, when you ask them, you know, have you ever done wrong, they'll say no, and they'll believe it. Now, a lot of the people I've dealt with is people in jail, and I normally never have a problem with that when you're in jail. They know they've done wrong. Okay? But Cain did not have the attitude that he was a sinful man. He thought he was all that. Okay? God gave him a second chance to come by faith through a blood sacrifice of an innocent animal which pictured a Savior and he rejected it. That's the question I have. The question I've always had in my life was, Cain, we already know you're not too bright because you didn't bring the right sacrifice. God gives you another chance and you don't take it. You're really, are you really that dumb? No, it wasn't that he was dumb. It was that he was rebellious. Again, like a lot of people in the world, they think that their good works are good enough to come to God. And if God doesn't take them on their good works, then God just is unfair. Exactly what Cain thought. Cain believed that God was unfair to him throughout the whole story. And you go, well, how do you know that? Let's look at verse 14. Uh, Genesis 4.14 says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day. He's blaming God. He goes, Behold, thou, you, God, have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Okay? And I think there's another spot in here where he he basically... uh, Well, let's go back and and read it and see if we can find it. I'm going to hold my breath until... Yeah, and that doesn't work good for the kids, does it? Yeah, he's like, yes, let's go back and see what else we can see, but I do see that. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall be in the earth. And the Lord, and Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I have, can bear. And, and again, he says, Behold, thou hast driven me. I didn't quite get to where I wanted to be, but he basically is blaming God throughout this whole story. He's blaming God, number one, for not taking his sacrifice. And number two, he's blaming God from the judgment that God puts on him. And he never admits guilt. Never. He's kind of like Saul in the Bible. Have you ever studied uh, Saul, uh, the king? I mean, when he becomes king, it's like his countenance changed and he does not do one thing right. Everything is, it's all about Saul. It's all about Saul. Wasn't there a TV show, something about, you better call Saul? Saul in the Bible was, it's, it was all about him. And when his, when his son, um, Jonathan had a victory, he took the credit. I mean, it was, everything was about him. Cain had the same attitude. It's all about him. So there are several firsts in the story. Okay, so before we get there, let me just stop and ask a question. So why did Cain kill Abel? Did you ever think about that? What? Jealousy. Yes. Envy. Jealousy. Remember the kid about 
uh, eight, nine, ten years ago here that that ki- that knifed his that killed his cousin. I talked to that guy in jail. I worked with him. I a little Hispanic kid. Okay, so um, I worked with that boy. I believe he got saved, but the very first night that I saw him in the jail, the detention center up here, he had he had killed his cousin, and I did. Guess what? The story was that night. My devotion was on Cain and Abel, and I asked the very same question: Why do you think Cain killed Abel? And you know what? He popped up and he goes because he was jealous. And I thought at the time, oh boy. Now I know why you killed your cousin. And I think he killed his cousin because she was a goody two-shoes and he was getting in trouble. And so he's a little jealous of her. And she probably ragged on him once and he knifed her. He put a knife in her. Killed her. Tragic story. But again, just like this one. Why did, but why did Cain kill him? It was, it was even more than that. It was even more than that. Let me, let me say. Let's back up here to verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he, the Lord, had no, not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? In other words, why are you mad? And why is thou countenance falling? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, there's a lot there that I don't quite understand. But this is what I was picking up as I'm reading through this. Why did... why You, you, think, you think Cain just... He, he saw that God accepted Abel's uh, sacrifice, so he just went out there and killed him right off the bat? I think there's a little more to the story. I actually believe, and you can throw this out, this is just what I'm picking up on, is that Cain was the firstborn. He had a, he had the birthright. But I'm thinking that since he disobeyed God, that Cain thought that birthright might pass over to Abel, his brother, and that because God would have more favor with him. And not only that, then, then he would have the right of the firstborn, and then he would be over Cain. I think maybe there was some anger at God, too. Well, he is. And so he probably thought, well, he's going to be God's favorite. But you kind of add all that up, and he I believe he had the attitude like, well, number one, I'm not going to let my brother get over me. I'm not going to let him t- take God's favorite spot over me. And I'm not going to get let the bloodline go through him instead of me, because I'm going to kill him. All of the above. All of the above. But guess what? The joke was on him because God didn't use Cain for the bloodline to go through, did he? Yet Adam and Eve had another son, Seth, and the bloodline goes through them. Okay, just threw that out there. Okay. So there are several firsts in the story. Number one, the first mention of sin. Now you go, wait a minute, isn't sin in the story with Adam and Eve? Yes, but it's not mentioned as sin. Even though it's there. But look at 4-7. It says, If thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The first mention of sin in the Bible is with this story. And then we also have the first mention of anger in the Bible. Of course, this is stories in Genesis chapter 4. What would you expect? The first mention of anger or wrath we see here in Genesis 4, 5. And get this, the first instance of anger in the Bible is over, again, I'll use the term religion. You can, you can say God's Word also, as a rejection of God's Word, is the first mention of anger. The first instance of lying, in verse 4, 9, when he told God, you can kind of, can't you see that rebellion in, in, in Cain when he tells God, 
am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. It's that rebellion popping out in him. Okay? We see the first instance of murder. And 4.8. And we see the first man to die in the Bible, and he is, you got two blanks there, a shepherd. God is trying to teach us something in this story. A shepherd. Isn't Jesus the good shepherd? Abel was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. You see the prominent men of, and, and Jesus was a, is, is the good shepherd. All these men are major characters in the Bible. They were shepherds. Is that just a co- uh, uh, coincidence? I don't think so. Okay. So the first man to die was a shepherd. And the first animal used for a sacrifice was what? A lamb. A lamb. A lamb. Now we can, you know, you can go back and go. Well, when 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 God killed the animals and clothed Adam and Eve, you cannot prove one hundred percent that it was a lamb or a sheep. Okay, I'll give you that, even though everything implies and points to it. But here, it says he was. Let's go back and look at Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And he brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. It's a lamb. It's a 100% lamb. The first animal used for a sacrifice in the Bible is a lamb. And of course, both the shepherd and the lamb point to Christ. The sacrifice and the man are both a picture of Christ. Okay? So, John 1.29. Let's go back and look at that. Anybody in here not from Missouri? Okay, you're not from Missouri? Not originally. Okay. I don't know how far you would actually go. Oh, well. Okay, but you live in Missouri, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So what I say? I keep using that illustration. What's that? The show me state. The show me state. Wait a minute. You're not from Missouri. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I drove through Missouri to get here. No, I actually live on the Kansas side because the Bible says go west. Oh, okay. Or was that our forefathers that said go west? Oh, well. Uh, not very far. I kind of want to get back to Missouri because Kansas is going crazy. So, somebody read that for me when they get there. What did I say? John 1 9? Is that what I said? One twenty nine, yes, one twenty nine. I didn't either, that's why I'm gonna have one of you guys do it. Where is that? New Testament? Somewhere. <laughs> Somebody else have it? Okay. It says the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay. And again, we're seeing a beautiful picture all the way back in Genesis that the, the sacrifice that's going to take away our sins is a lamb and it's going to be Jesus Christ. Okay, And then turn over to Revelation Says, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. And you notice it's capitalized. A lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. Jesus Christ is the lamb that was sacrificed. Okay. And again, it's the choir, so I, I, I don't have to really work this out because we all know this. And uh, there's another first here, the first human. Uh, Well, no, it's not because Adam and Eve were cursed, but so was Cain. He followed right in the footsteps of his earthly father. So Cain invented a, you got a blank on the end of your handout, works-based religion. And get this, it is a religion of lying and murder 
And boy, does that not fit it all the way down through history. That is carried down through time and is still prevalent today. The Lord still rejects this act for salvation because there is only one way to God and it's through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God. And I just put beware, beware, beware. Okay. Do you realize that every religion, again, I'm using religion and, you know, I don't, I don't, I'll say it again, I don't like using the term religion for Christianity because it's, it's really not a religion, it's a faith. But every religion except true Christianity is a base, is a works based religion. Every one of them. All of them. Every one of these religions have an unfair God just waiting to punish them. Kind of like Cain. Cain thought God was so unfair with him all the way through the story. Okay? And, and I think about that. You know, a lot of people think, well, there is a mean old God up in heaven. And when I do wrong, he just cannot wait to knock me down. It's like whack-a-mole. Yeah, exactly. So how many of you have played this whack-a-mole? It's this game that they may have like at Worlds of Fun or Carnivals and they have this table with these holes in it and there's a, there's a mole or a gopher that pops up and when you pop him up, you hit him with a big club. And I don't know who invented that game, but that's a wonderful game. I mean, kids <laughs> love that game. They want to beat the snot out of that gopher, right? And they're just beating away. And, and But that's what people think God is like. They think that we're the gopher. And when we do wrong, that that mean old God is just going to knock us down. Same as Cain, okay? But yet, the God in the Bible is the opposite. He's not a mean old God. Because He personally paid for our sins. Now, uh, we're going to get out maybe just a little bit early if I don't keep talking. I remember once at Santa Caligon days, Carrie and I was up there, we went over there to... Uh, help one of our friends that had a booth there from uh, I think he was at Midtown at that point and they had a little basketball goal and the whole thing was for an evangelistic event bring people in and talk to them and I remember talking to a man and again I, I a lot of times I don't say the right things so if you guys think you know you can't talk to people we all bomb out you know we all bomb out at times. And this guy came up and we're giving him the gospel. And, and I remember this. I wish I could have him back to talk to him more. Because he goes, you know what? I cannot believe I have children and I cannot believe that there is a God that would allow His Son to die for somebody else's sins. And that's what he told me. And I said, well, the Bible says that God is love. He goes, I don't care. I'm not going to sacrifice one of my kids for somebody else, and I can't believe that God would do that. I didn't really know what to say to the guy. But what I'd like to say is, here's the thing. It wasn't God sent His Son. you got to realize, God is the Son. Because God the Son, God the Father, and God the Spirit are the same. So we have a God who died Himself for us. He didn't just send His Son. God himself died for us. And that's hard to understand, but but that's the type of God we have. We have a God who personally loves us and wants a relationship with us and died himself so that we could have not just eternal life, we could have a fellowship. The scripture in uh, about Abraham when he's taken Isaac. Okay. God shall provide himself. A lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. That would have done it. Yeah, I wish I could have pulled that guy back in and give him a little more. I thought that we're fallen, that we have a sin nature, and so in our mind we can't... Being lost, it's harder for us to imagine a God willing to do that because we have the wrong nature to even think somebody would do that. You're probably right. It's it's only because the Holy Spirit is showing us the truth, but... On our on our own, we won't come up with it without the Holy Spirit there engaging with us, and so. Right, but you're right. So man's depraved mind believes that, but yet, the, 
But God won't condemn us on that because He sends the Holy Spirit to convict us of the truth. And so we will not have an excuse. Right. I know. And God sent Himself in fleshly form to take away our sin. And He also gave us that Spirit to guide us each day to keep us in the Lord. It convicts us of the sin we He knows we're going to have in the future. So, it's God that's making the sacrifice, not Jesus. Jesus was the Son, and the Holy Spirit is in us. So, there are three in one. God is the one who's making the sacrifice. I mean, Jesus did come right. in the flesh yeah. and made the sacrifice, but it was actually God in the flesh. Right. Jesus so, is God in the flesh. And you cannot separate those three. We explained that to a Sunday school class one time. The best way the teacher had was with an egg. You have an egg, which is God. You break it open, there's a yolk, which is a son, and the white is the spirit. They're three in one. All three things make one egg. I thought that was amazing because that's what it's all about. God is God, whether he's in Jesus form or in Holy Spirit form, but still God. Right. Well, God's ways are... are he has a love that we can't even begin to fathom. Right. To give right. our son for something like that. We can't understand that. Because right. we don't have God's love. Right. That's, it's just unimaginable. I mean, we right. can't comprehend God's love. Although one day we will experience right. it. Right. So it boils down to, and again, it's nothing new that we don't know. Either we're going to obey God's word, right. which is what Abel did. Or we're going to reject it and try to do it on our own. And we know that the reason it's in the book of Jude is if you follow the way of Cain, it'll be for destruction. And that's why it's a sorrowful event. And that's why he's warning them not to follow that direction. So, um, wow. So there's a lot in this little story of Cain and Abel that really affects mankind all the way down through history. And so a lot of these stories in the Bible are like that. Just when you think you know them, if you study them out, you'll see that God has such a a bigger, deeper meaning in there. And you'll see how our Bible fits together that no man could have written it. It it is God's Word. So let's go ahead and and stop there and we'll, we'll move on. Father in Heaven, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Bible that we actually have in our hands that tells us who You are, that tells us who we are and how we can have a relationship with You and how we are to live our lives for You, Lord. So I I thank You for the Bible and I pray for everyone in our class, Lord, that we would just do that. We would be obedient to Your Word and live our lives being obedient to to Your your Bible and to You, the Holy Spirit, and that we'd be a witness for You so that other people who don't know You can come to know You as Lord and Savior. So we pray for that today. Give us people to witness to this week. Be with the people that we're praying for. Help them to come to know You as Lord and Savior. And Again, we just pray for Brian as he preaches the main service and uh, pray for the people that are here that may not know You as Lord and Savior that they would hear the Gospel message and they'd receive it in their heart. And in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen. It's like the woman at the well. I had no idea how deep that was until Brian did a Bible study on it or 